Welcome to the Meta Business Podcast. The Metaverse and Web3 are bringing about the biggest revolution since the internet itself. With your hosts, Paul the Prophet Dawalibi and Jeff the Juice Cohen, we will be bringing you the latest Metaverse business news and insight into what it all means. The Meta Business Podcast starts now. From the boardroom to the metaverse, this is the Meta Business Podcast. I am Paul Dawalibi. I'm joined today by my friend and co-host, Jeff the Juice Cohen. For those of you who are new here, welcome to the Meta Business Podcast. What we do is we cover all the biggest metaverse stories and topics and news of the week, but we look at all of it through a business and C-suite lens. We dissect, we analyze the business implications of everything happening in this amazing metaverse space. Jeff, how you doing this week? I'm doing good. This is uh, the second of three podcasts we're taping tonight. So it's like I get to spend the whole night, you know, that's a little inside baseball for those of you. So we take business of esports prior to this. Now we got this one. Then we do the live stream after. So it's just a full Wednesday night of, of content. I get to spend, content. It, you know, the whole time with the profit. So what, what can be better than that? This is episode 11. So congratulations. I will say we're almost at the point now where I can say, you know, start telling people, hey, for our regular listeners, thank you guys for tuning in every week because we now have enough weeks that, uh, yeah. you know, people have been tuning in. And if and you haven't, great by the feedback way, from people, please keep keep it coming. We love the feedback. Yeah. Tell us what you want to hear more of what you want to hear less of. It's uh, it's great when we get that. Honestly, it means a lot to me. And and definitely hit subscribe, right? Like whatever service you use to get the podcast uh, follow, subscribe, um, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get it. Um, really appreciate that. Because then you get you guys get notified right when the podcasts, the new episodes drop um, and uh, and tell others about it. If you're if you're working in and around the metaverse space in crypto and blockchain based gaming and gaming or something like that, um, definitely tell your colleagues, tell your friends, tell your family about the podcast. Um, this is how we continue to grow this. Jeff, we have a really big story I want to kick off this week with. Um, hugely important story, I think, in the in the grand scheme of the of the metaverse here. And um, it's interesting because it's a it's it's a metaverse story, it's a real estate story, and it's a celebrity story all in one, which I think is fascinating. And the headline here is someone just paid. $450,000 to be Snoop Dogg's neighbor in the metaverse. Here's how you can live by a celebrity too. So obviously a great clickbait kind of headline from Fortune magazine. But what has happened here is um, Snoop Dogg had bought, you know, a piece of land in, in the sandbox platform where he plans to host events. He has a virtual virtual replica of his house. And he actually sold a parcel of land that was next to his, you know, uh, next to his place, next to the, the 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 land that he has built on and that he owns. And what it's saying is that in this article, which I thought was interesting, in January alone, sales of metaverse real estate topped $85 million. And that between 2022 and 2028, the metaverse real estate market is expected to see a compound annual growth rate of 31%, which I would um, I would love to see the assumptions behind. It. I mean, I, I'm I'm as big a fan of that as anyone of these you know prognostications and top-down analysis, but like 
please someone send me that report. I would just love to see like how they came up with that number. Because if you're telling me you can predict anything that what's going to happen with any true reality about 2028 and the metaverse, I mean, we don't even know what's going to happen three months from now in the metaverse. This, this landscape is changing and sh- you know, shifting so much daily. <laughs> 2028, you know, just feels like forever. I love that you're not attacking the number. You're attacking the prediction just on, at, at its face, right? Like, yeah. that, regardless I mean, of what the number is. Million in the, yeah, the fact that it was 85 million in January shows that there's something here. You know, this isn't some pie in the sky, you know, fantasy that we're talking about. Like, people are putting real money into this. Um, but to try to extrapolate it out, that, that part, you know, anyone's guess is as good as anyone else's. I mean, that's that. I don't know what the predictions are for the broader, like, in real life real estate market uh my guess is real estate will, over in this space, same period is not going to grow at uh you know compounded annual growth rate of 31 percent. so maybe you know maybe new york city <laughs> maybe but there's a there's a an underlying statement in here which says metaverse real estate will grow in value faster than traditional real estate and i'm curious if you at least buy that or even I do, that, but I'm curious to hear your take. Do you think we're going to see some sort of massive, like right now it's a gold rush, right? Like, eh, you know, the fact that we're reading this article in and of itself, there, there is clearly a rush to buy land in, in these various different metaverses. Do we see some sort of crash? Same way we saw with crypto. I mean, we've had multiple crypto winters. Like, do we see in the next two, three years, a lot of this land go to zero before maybe it shoots back up and other land maybe takes the place of land that isn't actually utilized it's a good question i mean this is a much bigger discussion um in general like tech there's this classic you know saying in tech you have the innovators come first then the imitators and then the idiots the question is with metaverse real estate are we still in the innovators sort of portion of this are we in the imitators portion of this Uh, it still feels early right so i still think there's a lot of potential here i I buy the 31% number. You're right. Like, I don't know. I'd love to see the assumptions behind it and how they've modeled this out. I at least buy the general principle that virtual real estate is going to seem to seems to be will grow in value faster than uh, traditional real estate. I always question the scarcity issue here, right? Um, but the Snoop Dogg thing adds that sort of extra wrinkle, right? Because while while sandbox could go and create more land or any platform could really if they wanted to many of them choose not to they set a limit but many of them could break that at some point and go make more land right go create new land um there's still only a certain number of spots next to snoop Dogg, right yeah so do do celebrity purchases become some of the draw here and and drive some of the real scarcity because only 12 people can have plots next to Snoop Dogg's or whatever the number is? Well, I mean, the name of the game in real estate is always location, location, location. So I do buy that. I do buy that a little bit. Um, One thing I'm always interested to see when we hear about people buying plots of land in the metaverse is sort of like what they're going to do with them. Are they going to be just a landowner that's going to then rent it out? Are they going to build a game or an experience on there? 
I'm I'm only bullish if, if you're going to build something that people actually care about, right? Like if you're just going to buy this land and think that it's cool to own, it's going to have value because Snoop Dogg has some digital thing next. Like odds are, two years from now, nobody's probably going to care at all about Snoop Dogg's digital whatever he Snoop verse that's happening. Well, maybe like, we to don't me, know. A lot of these headlines are very like these are the kinds of things you get early in the in the mania, where then it becomes more interesting. Couple of years from now, okay, what, what's practical? Like, is is the Snoopverse really? Like, if we get to this, you know, utopian vision, vision of capital T, capital M, the metaverse, like, is Snoopverse really going to be a big part of it? To me, I doubt it. Right? Like, it's it's a cool attraction; it, it garners eyeballs, but like, you can't tell me that a big part of the metaverse in the future is going to be Snoop Dogg's house. Well, I mean, <laughs> even if we assume that it is, right? There's an interesting business and real estate question here, and I come back to your location, location, location argument, right? Because if you um, if you live in in a very wealthy city, right, or you decide to buy a house next to Snoop Dogg in Beverly Hills, I don't know if Snoop Dogg has a home in Beverly Hills, right? But if I'm buying a home next to Snoop Dogg in Beverly Hills, I would think part of the draw there is, well, there's a chance that when I, you know, go for a jog in the morning, I'll bump into Snoop Dogg and, you know, maybe we'll become friends and maybe he'll invite me to his parties or, um, I don't know if you get the same equivalent, right? In a digital or virtual world, because even if he's having a party on his plot of land, owning the plot next to his doesn't grant you any kind of automatic access, right? Like, so even if you buy that Snoop verse is the big draw will be a huge thing will be a big part of the metaverse entertainment ecosystem, right? Having the plot of land next to that in a, in a, in a digital construct where distance really loses all meaning also, right? right. It, it takes no extra time to go to Snoopverse from a plot of land much further away than one right next to it. Well, this, um, that's one of the big problems with metaverse real estate, where it's like there is no cost to travel. Right. So it's to your, exactly. to your exact point. Does it matter? And I think this is, I'm sorry to steal the words out of your mouth. This is what you're getting at. Does it matter that you're next to Snoop Dogg if, you know, you can just enter the metaverse right into Snoop Dogg's land? You don't have to like drive there or pay money to travel there. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that's a big, a big question mark in terms of do, do these plots of land hold, hold their value longer term? And but that's this is where so I keep coming back to like, what do you build on your individual land is the most important thing. Because if people want to go there, then it has a chance to have value. I don't think you can count on the things around your land kind of giving you value. But there may be a bigger takeaway here, Jeff. And, you know, please feel free to disagree. When when esports were very early, right, a lot of the thinking and maybe still even to this day, to a certain extent, everyone took a construct and a context that they know and understand traditional sports. Right. And you try and overlay it on this new thing. So that so that you can sort of grasp the new thing and make it understandable for people. And the reality is that has always been a mistake, right? Like trying to make esports like traditional sports has always pretty much consistently ended in failure. Because the reality is a lot of the constructs that apply to the physical world don't apply to the digital world. And I'm seeing similar kind of mistakes happen in the metaverse where people just make assumptions because our brains are wired to uh, appreciate patterns, right? 
they they make assumptions that wow the plot in sandbox next to snoop dog that's a great investment because it's next to snoop dog without thinking through wait a second like the mm-hmm. plot 10 plots over from snoop dog doesn't really have any down like has no less fewer benefits than the one right next to it because no one really yeah. stops to go wait a second what are the actual differences in real benefits here um, so I think and i worry right. that a lot no. of this rides hype built on taking things without the proper context so i think you're absolutely right and i, I would go as far as to say that i think i agree with that even more like i think real sports are more analogous to esports than virtual land is to digital land. So uh, that's, a, that's an interesting take in and of itself um that we're you're saying we're even further off the mark here yes, exactly um uh, well th- that's actually a great segue i think into the second story because this is one of those like interesting flip-flop kind of situations uh and i want i would love to hear your take on this jeff and the, the headline here this is from protocol the headline here is ea ceo said nfts were the future of the industry now he's not so sure. So EA's CEO, Andrew Wilson, appeared to back away from crypto in an earnings call this week. Um, basically, what he said was the company uh, was currently driving on uh, when it comes to uh, you know crypto and blockchain. But three months ago, he had called NFTs in the broader, broader blockchain gaming market the future of our industry. So now he says, I believe that collectability will continue to be an important part of our industry and the games and experiences that we offer our players, whether that's as part of the NFT blockchain, well, that remains to be seen. I think the way we think about it is we want to deliver the best possible player experience we can. And so we're going to evaluate that over time. But right now, it's not something we're driving hard on. So right now, we're not driving hard on it. But three months ago, he said, it's the future of our industry. Could you explain it's, to me this radical change in in philosophy and and thinking it, and focus as a business? It's funny because this is almost our our third episode. So I think we literally may have covered, or sorry, our twelfth episode. So we may have literally covered Andrew Wilson's comments. His the first earnings call three months ago, yeah. um, and and we've sort of seen this shift take place. I mean, when we I remember when we were first talking about when Ubisoft introduced um nfts and the courts platform to courts, ghost yeah. recon we were very we were pretty bullish at first and we kind of i think my initial take was i was happy that they were putting that mechanic into a game that already had a player base um because i thought it would be easier to do that with a game that already had a player base than to build a whole new game new ip with the mechanic and it turned out it only took us about a week to realize that that was probably the wrong take um, because there's this this rife right now, you know, where hardcore core, not even hardcore, I would say the the general gamer is not that interested in Web3 crypto gaming right now. It is a different customer base. So I do, I think what you're seeing here is, is Andrew Wilson and EA recognizing that. And I, I have to give them a modicum of credit for a pre- recognizing their customer base and sort of listening to what they are saying currently. Having said that, the massive caveat is this is why you don't see big companies innovate very often. It's hard to do uh, to disrupt yourself, right? Because most of your customers are currently happy with the service you're giving them right now. They don't want this new thing. But I genuinely think he's wrong. I think his first quote was correct that NFT and blockchain gaming 
probably does represent the future of the industry. But now it seems like EA is going to be on the back foot there because they're listening to their existing customers. And then you see this time and time again with industries where the incumbents don't disrupt themselves because they're focused on rather than the niche audience, they're focused on kind of their core customer. And you have smaller companies that are more nimble and able to take risks that come in and sort of eat their lunch over time. And you can almost predict it today. Like that's what's going to happen here. You know, it might not take six months. It might take six years, but you know, you're, you are going to see this kind of attitude be very detrimental long-term, I think for EA, and they will eventually have to go make an acquisition or do something to catch up. Um, You just have to look at free to play mobile. I mean, we saw this exact story play out a decade ago where every console company and gaming company kind of poo-pooed free to play mobile and said, well, that's just candy crush and flappy birds. And nobody cares about that. And our customers want to, you know, experience that they go pay $60 and it's a great experience built by, you know, with great graphics. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, he didn't poo poo it. He didn't poo poo it. Well, at right? first so he like, didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so, but take me behind the scenes at EA, right? What, what went down in the last three months? Cause he comes on a conference call on an earnings call, right? Shareholders, analysts, right? This is the big show for CEOs of public companies. And he says, this is the future of our industry. Big statement, right? Three months later, he's going, well, we're not really focused on it. You know? I think it's as simple as look at what happened. I mean, look at but, exactly but, what happened. Take me behind the scenes. Did he change his mind because of something he saw? Is it from internally, you think, management at EA telling him, hey, these things can't be done or maybe we shouldn't do it? Is it analysts that, you know, shareholders that punished him for that statement? Like, Give me some of the give me some of the tinfoil hat theories on why a CEO of such a big gaming company would ch- change course so like this is a 180 degree change without any explanation to be clear. Is, he didn't say, it, hey, he, he didn't even acknowledge that three months ago that he was saying this is the future of our industry. Like if he had come out and said, Hey guys, I know I said three months ago that NFTs were the future of our industry, we've looked at it. We real we've talked to a lot of our players. You know they don't want it. Um, we're going to delay it. We're still thinking about it, but it's you know on the roadmap for 2025 because you know we're just not there yet. I would have been okay with that. that. Would be that would be a cleaner statement. I guess you have to remember. You know these are questions that are asked. You know off the cuff by analysts. So it's it, granted that's a big topic. So you would think you. He would have his mind pretty made up on that. It's not like he just made that up on the spot. But these aren't prepared remarks. So you're not always getting the cleanest possible explanation. It's, you know, he's on a conference call with hundreds of people listening and some analyst is asking him a question. He could ask him, hey, Andrew, what's your favorite color? You know what I mean? Or he could ask him this. So it's like there, there, is, there is some variability to, to these things in terms of he's not exactly prepared for that exact question. Um, and I would say he he caveated a little bit. Like I, I think he did say, you know, when you can pull it back up, like he's bullish on collectability. He's just not entirely sure that it has to be on the on the blockchain and NFT. I actually don't think that's a crazy statement, right? If he had articulated a little better, like I, I think if you ask Strauss Zelnick, if you ask Bobby Kodak, and and maybe I'm just listing people who are the old dinosaurs in the industry. And if I were a Web three Super Bowl, I'd be like, well, obviously those people are going to answer that. 
But I think a lot of them would probably agree with that in the sense of it's not it is not a requisite that we use the blockchain to achieve the things that Web3 gaming is trying to achieve in terms of player ownership and and, and all that. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm, I'm I'm searching in my mind for I guess maybe the 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 question I asked is the wrong one, and it should be more about what was the impetus for the first statement, right? Why take such why make such a a if you're going to make a statement like that, and you're going to say and and Elon, uh, interesting sort of side story, right? Elon Musk on the on the Tesla earning call, I don't know if you listened to it, basically sh- in some ways shot himself in the foot. They had a great quarter, but he spent the whole call talking about how autonomous and ai robots are the future of their business basically <laughs> and and it's yeah. like if you're going to make such a a big statement right that in some ways says my current business is a little bit outdated because that's the implication right there must be some reason behind that because you're planning on moving into that space because i i don't know right you want to seem like a leader you want you you want to you know, you don't want to be seen as as a, a follower, whatever the, the reasoning is. So are you um, tinfoil hatting saying like you think EA had a planned blockchain gaming initiative, something they were going to announce and then have subsequently pulled it back? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like uh, part of me wants wants to believe that they made a big statement because they were ready to announce something. Right. Then they looked at the Ubisoft stuff that did not get a good reaction at all. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, in some ways, whatever they were going to announce was going to be overshadowed by the Activision Blizzard, right, acquisition. So I, I didn't listen to that earnings call, but I guarantee the analysts are thinking about that, not about whatever, yeah. you know, EA was going to announce. And so they have to backpedal a little bit. And, and maybe they've changed their minds. Uh, but I, you know. I would struggle when you make such a big statement and then there was nothing there to, to actually back it up. Nothing to, I guess the bigger question in my mind, do you think he's right? Like, is this a smart move by EA listening to their customers or is this blockbuster saying, Hey, nobody wants streaming. They want to, you know, people want to come to the store on Friday night. Like they always have. I I think I've used this analogy even on this podcast before. It's like the Steve jobs approach, or maybe I've talked about it on the business of esports where you know, part of the, the greatness that people ascribe to Steve Jobs is he didn't listen to what the customer wanted. Uh, he gave them what he believed was the, the the best product or the right product, right? And, um, you know, it was like the classic, I think it's like a Henry Ford line or whatever. Like if you had asked people uh, in the 1800s, you know, they would have asked for a faster horse, not for a, you know, a motorized, like a combustion engine based car. And so... I think if EA had like amazing visionary leadership, I would say this, you know, they should be thinking about how to play there. My view though, is that EA has always been kind of a follower, right? Like they're not, they were never the biggest, they were never the best. Um, I, I feel like the world of NFTs and blockchain based gaming for EA would be a landmine. And if anyone would get it wrong, it's probably them, right? They, they have this history of just awful decisions around microtransactions and fundamentally NFTs aren't vastly different. Um, 
And so, you know, I just don't think EA set up to succeed in that realm. Maybe they buy another business, right? Get bigger, buy a, buy a high-flying, you know, blockchain-based game developer right now or something like that and build a strategy around that. But I think as it stands, I don't think EA should be playing there. And I think this, this sort of backing off is probably the right thing for them to do. And you said it, as a big company that's playing defense, but some big com- a lot of big companies are just not set up to play offense, right? Like encouraging mm-hmm. them to play offense when you know they're going to lose. Also not a, not a winning strategy. So um, let's move on, uh, Jeff. Let's talk about, um, you know, this I, this I think is more of a quick story, but it's, it's Meta also had their earnings call. Meta, a.k.a., you know, previously known as Facebook. And I'll just pick out the one thing I thought was interesting here, which is um, Q4 was the first quarter in which Meta released revenue numbers for their Reality Labs segment. They had losses of $3.3 billion uh, in that Reality Labs segment. And Zuckerberg previously announced that the company spent $10 billion on its Metaverse effort in 2021. As a, you know, if you were a shareholder of Meta, I don't know if you actually are. Uh, you know, I actually, yeah, it's very uh, small. But uh, you know, what do you make of, if anything, of the losses? You know, they had an earnings miss, but it was because of Apple's privacy changes. Like it wasn't related to the Metaverse stuff at all. Yeah, uh, just for clarity's sake. But what do you like? Is is the conclusion that they're not? Investing fast enough, uh, innovating fast enough, not launching products fast enough. Like, what 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 is your conclusion from this? No, I mean, there's and they're certainly putting their money where their mouth is in terms of the spend. I mean, the, the fact that they're spending ten billion kind of on this reality labs kind of metaverse piece is is a staggering, staggering number. Um, obviously, you know, the stock is getting getting beat up tonight. And like you said, I, I don't think they've telegraphed all the metaverse stuff. Um, so I think it, it's much more about user growth slowing, you know, the competition with TikTok, IDFA, stuff like that, stuff that really has nothing to do with this podcast and we aren't the experts in. But in terms of them spend, I mean, $10 billion is so much on, on to spend on, on, you know, the metaverse efforts. Problem is if you're a shareholder, they're spending all that and you really have to buy into Zuckerberg's vision of all this. And it's, it's a big near-term drag on earnings. And when the, that, that was all well and good when the core business was chugging along and just doing really well. Now, when you start to see issues with the core business, um, it gets a lot harder. And actually, it's a very similar argument to what we had with Netflix, where you know, net, we, we, we had a lot of talks about Netflix getting into gaming. And then they sort of last quarter had, had a slowing subscriber growth and kind of for the first time, you know, it looked like the core business is really now challenged. It, it, the question becomes, is it now, it, are they more likely to get into gaming, make that big move? And with Facebook, it's the same thing. Like, does this in any way change their commitment to spending tens of billions of dollars a year to get to this metaverse vision, which again, is probably five to 10 years out of really being an earnings driver for them, given it's Zuckerberg and he, he has so much control of the company has been such a visionary. I doubt things change, but if you're a shareholder, you do have to start to question, like if the core is deteriorating, how much are you willing to put up with in kind of these other bets business? How much do you think they are willing to put up with? Because I, I'm going to make the case that 
that they should put up with a lot. And, and here's well, my here's my yeah. simple case for it. Microsoft just paid how much for Activision Blizzard? Seventy billion. Seventy billion. And all the messaging is this is this is our metaverse play, right? This is Microsoft's metaverse play. Now we know that's probably not really true, but that's what they're all coming out and saying, right? And if we're talking about what should shareholders put up with, what should analysts sort of accept or believe, if you believe that 70 billion is the right amount for Microsoft to spend on a metaverse play, why is it crazy for, for meta slash Facebook to sink 10 billion a year for the next five to 10 years? We're talking about basically the same amount of investment. And I would, I would probably argue that if, unless Facebook slash meta really mess this up, if they sink 10 billion a year into reality labs in five or 10 years from now, we should, there, there should be a very tangible and exciting product stack there that could be quite game changing, right? Like this is not a trivial amount of money, but they know how to do development in general, right? They know how to build good product. It's not like they don't, um, and they're building it without limitations. I certainly don't disagree. Um, it's just, you know, when the average investor probably holds a stock less than six months, it, it becomes very hard to even think a year or two out, let alone you're talking about underwriting stuff that's five or six years out. Um, it's just hard. It's hard. It's hard to do. But I, I do agree. I think for people who, who are long term investors, you, you probably end up being rewarded. Um, I have one last quick, quick story here, Jeff, before we uh, before we wrap up this week's podcast. Um, and this one. I want to tie the knot nicely with our first story, also a real estate story. And here the headline is metaverse mortgages are being issued to buy virtual land. And one of the first ever was just signed for a property in Decentraland. So first story about Sandbox. Now we've got a Decentraland story here. Um, it's a company called Terra Zero Technologies. They facilitated one of the first ever metaverse mortgages. Um, says some experts, this is the, the article, this is not me. The, the article here says some experts remain skeptical about metaverse real estate, liking it, likening it more to a crypto asset than physical property. Did they, did they listen to the podcast that we're currently recording? <laughs> <How did> they... <laughs> well, no, it's fascinating, right? Because it's such a uh, I maybe we maybe should have done this right after the first story. But like it's it's one of these situations where, again, a mortgage sounds good, right? <laughs> You you want to go buy that plot next to Snoop Dogg for four hundred and fifty grand, but I don't have four hundred and fifty grand, so let me go get a mortgage. Does this all fall apart? <laughs> because I'm just waiting for the, the entire economy to get blown up because subprime mortgages in the metaverse. <laughs> that's gonna be fun. Um, but, but, I mean, there's there's a lot. Don't of give away all our best ideas here, Jeff. We, 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 <laughs> there's there's a lot of different ways we could take this story. Um, given we're short on time, I, I'll say. The interesting thing for me is just to see how so many businesses that happen in the real world are now moving into the metaverse. You know, mortgages, we're going to have insurance, we're going to have, you know, daycare in the metaverse potentially. Like all of these things maybe sound absurd when you say them, but a lot of these industries are going to move into the virtual world. You're already kind of seeing it with banks. I mean, guilds, right? We we talked about this last episode. These these guilds really are just banks. They're lending you assets, and you 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 pay them back, and you pay a return. They get a return. So you're going to see all sorts of different industries move to the metaverse, and there's going to be massive companies that are built on the back of that. And that's something that I'm 
pretty interested in and kind of being involved in that ecosystem. I love ending on that thought, Jeff. Um, for our listeners, guys, make sure you subscribe, uh, share the podcast with your friends, send it to people. Really helps grow the show. Uh, if you have feedback, feel free. Reach out to me, to Jeff. You can find us basically on every platform or go follow the juice at Jeff Cohen 23. Um, and, uh, and really love to hear from you guys. So uh, make sure to reach out to us. Let us know how you're liking the show. And uh, as always, guys, we will see you next week. Thanks for joining us here on Meta Business. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast everywhere you get your podcasts, leave a five-star review, and tell your friends, family, and colleagues all about us. Also, make sure to follow Meta TV on all socials to get more of the best Metaverse content anywhere. Tune in every week for another episode of Meta Business.